If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Andrew Feen, and we're bringing you a bonus episode of Beat Check. My colleague, Noel Crombie, joined me on this one. We spoke with Carlos Crespo, a community health professor and vice provost at the OHSU-PSU School of Public Health. This is a fast-moving story, but when we spoke, Oregon had three confirmed cases of coronavirus, but no deaths. Washington State had nine fatalities. We talked about his impressions of Oregon's public health response to the virus so far, why he says science is under attack in the United States, and why it's not time to panic. Here's that conversation. The most recent uh, outbreak that we are familiar with is the measles outbreak, and feels like we had a lot of information. We knew where folks were going. We knew that when they were at Costco, mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. at um, specific doctor's offices, they were at PDX. We don't know a lot about where these folks were other than a school, you know, in mm-hmm. Lake Oswego or a gym in uh, Eastern Oregon. Um, is this normal that we don't know very much, <laughs> that we're not hearing all these details from uh, your perspective? Is that normal? Well, it's abnormal. I mean, at this stage, everything that is happening, we're in a territory where it's abnormal. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, from, from the outbreak, uh, from people getting sick. For who gets sick, we're normally, uh, when we think about coronavirus, for example, it's, it's, a, it's not a new virus. We've had coronaviruses uh, for years. Right. But this specific strain is specific. It's very different than other coronaviruses. So all of a sudden, this virus used to exist in one species, and it, it jumped from one species to human species. Mm-hmm. And we were not prepared. We, this is the first time we encounter a, a, a new virus. So anything that is happening after that uh, transition from one species to another is not normal. And then what do we know and what we can actually tell people are not that they're two different things. And we end up saying a lot we don't know. Uh, and there are many things, and, and I could probably share what we think we know and what we don't know. And tomorrow, what I say today, that we It'd don't know. It could be completely different, <laughs> It right. could be different. Yeah. Uh, we, we do know that uh, the virus is highly transmissible. It's highly infectious. It's, it spreads easily. Yeah. It's, that's one word. Uh, the virus is not virulent, meaning that... Uh, the the severity of the disease is not as high, except among certain age groups. Mm-hmm. So older people, people have their immune system compromised. When they get in touch with this virus, then things get worse. Why do babies are less impacted by this specific coronavirus than other type of vir- viruses? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how long does the virus stay alive in a surface? which I think this is how this issue of uh, cases that haven't visited Italy or the China. Community or some other, transmissions, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so it's, it might be that the virus stays alive or active in a surface for longer periods of time that we didn't know before. 
But, but to Andrew's question, mm-hmm. do you think that in, in, in previous outbreaks like measles, mm-hmm. we've had a lot more information about the the um, mm-hmm. activities of yeah. the patient, mm-hmm. and this time it's pretty limited. Should we have more from the state? You know, from uh, a perspective of <laughs> health communication is how much you share that you can be you have certainty that what you're saying, you, you're, you, you know what you're saying. So you, you might say something that later is like it was, it was the wrong thing to say, and you might create some level of panic. As it is, we have created a, a panic where we have shortages of masks, we have shortages of, uh, of liquids to yeah. sanitize, which takes away from uh, people who might be vulnerable and need to have access to these things. So, uh, but at the same time, if I think there's a there's a message about not to panic. It's a message about uh, if you're not a high risk group uh, and you uh, are exposed to the virus and you get sick, uh, the symptoms are somewhat mild. But uh, in terms of fatality rate, I've seen numbers one to two percent, and one to that's a big difference when it talks about uh, disease spread when you talk about people dying one to two percent is, is a huge number we don't even know if it's actually one or two percent because uh, because the denominator it keeps moving the fatality rate might be lower so i guess as a as a former cdc official what do you think is happening at the federal level that is informing our response here in oregon I did work for the CDC for uh, at the National Center for Health Statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an area of the government where I used to work that do uh, monitor the health of the nation. That's uh, uh, We do public health surveillance, and, and I know the term surveillance sometimes <laughs> it's, it's scary for some people. But we do need it from public health. We need to monitor what's, what's happening. Uh, I think they, uh, the, the CDC is monitoring cases across the entire U.S., and that's one of the things that they, they are doing. Uh, right before I came here, I just took a look at uh, the CDC budget and, uh, and whether it's gone up or down, mm-hmm. what was requested from the current administration for budget for CDC. And the budget request uh, could have been better. In fact, it did go down. So we we do know we do know that, and uh, there might be reasons uh, that uh, motivated the the budget cuts for CDC, but it's it's a huge operation, and when you actually need to mobilize a public health workforce at that level, it doesn't happen quickly. It, it maybe in business it happens where you just hire whenever you need people. But when you have a very specialized workforce mm-hmm. and they are then active working someplace else, it's not like you can move them quickly. So I, I think uh, uh, I, I definitely I know they're doing the best they can. I know these the employees at CDC, they're highly committed. Uh, they, they know that their, their work is in different areas, but in this specific case, uh, they are uh, working extra hours and doing whatever they can to make sure that the health of the population is protected. So at this point, would you avoid going to a large gathering, a sporting event, or um, a concert? Uh, what is your advice to people in Oregon right now about large events? Let's take it a little bit larger. What about the Tokyo Olympics? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge investment of money, of uh, infrastructure, that at this stage, uh, 
we're not certain if they will be held or not. And and that call has to be made <laughs> uh, two or three months in advance. Uh, and uh, so so you think about that. If 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 the Olympics decide we're not going to mm-hmm. uh, hold the Olympics, then what does that uh, say to our events? Uh, at the same, it's 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 probably a little bit different because there are more cases in Japan now, but in the future will we have the same number of cases? So. Uh, that's a very good question. I took the bus today, <laughs> and uh, I was trying to think about uh, should I drive, you know, or should I just have my daughter drop me here, and then, or do I take the bus and, and share? Uh, and I took the bus, and I was thinking basically what I normally do. I'm, I'm not a germaphobe, but uh, I don't like to touch things that I don't need to touch. I think we need to have some caution. I don't think we... Uh, relatively uh, young <laughs> and healthy uh, folks. Uh, I just turned 60 yesterday, by the way. <laughs> Happy <laughs> uh, birthday. Thank you. Uh, I don't think we, we need to worry that much. I think if you're at high risk, either your immune system is compromised or if you're an older person, uh, you might want to uh, think about going to places where you might be exposed to the virus. Uh, like I say, it seems that it's, it, the symptoms are rather mild for uh, young and healthy people. So from that perspective, I uh, wouldn't stop my uh, uh, daily activities. I would be a lot more cautious in terms of washing my hands. I would be a lot more cautious about touching uh, my mouth, my nose, my eyes. Uh, I would be a lot more cautious about uh, touching things that I don't have to be touching. And then keeping a distance... Uh, Without being uh, completely antisocial, I, I, I know we shook hands, and, and I wouldn't be that worried about, about that. And I might wash my hands after I, I, I shook your hands because I don't know where your hands have been. Uh, They're clean. I've washed them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is interesting because I think we need to then be more flexible, less sensitive about people washing their hands or keeping a safe distance from each other, mm-hmm. especially now. Yeah, I mean – and you know if if you if you get sick and you have to stay home, then you get sick, you have to stay home uh but i I don't think we need to super worry. This is the other part. you get sick, and then you know that there are people around you who are the high risk uh who have the immune system compromised, then you want to be really careful and if you're if you if you're young and healthy, but you know that you live with somebody who uh who who's not, then you might want to think about where you go. Because then you bring in this virus home, which maybe you'll be fine, but the people around you who might be exposed to it might not be. Uh, you mentioned kind of the uncertainty surrounding everything, and we don't know so much about both mm-hmm. this virus as well as how people respond. But it does seem like the testing has been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a big um, error at the federal level. Um, yep. What do you do? You mm-hmm. think that's fair to say that that, that the <laughs> CDC is mishandled? How, mm-hmm. how we're testing here, and then what are we doing versus what other nations have done where it seems like you can just mm-hmm. drive up in South Korea, South Korea and get tested, yeah. um, where right now mm. we don't have that capability. Yeah, so th- that's a good question. The, the testing, uh, we, we could have a test, and we make the assumption that if the test says you are positive for the virus, that you're actually positive. More importantly, more importantly is 
if the test says you don't have the virus, that you actually do not have the virus. And these are two separate things uh, in, in epidemiology. Uh, it, it has to do with the sensitivity of the test mm-hmm. and the specificity of the test. So those are two separate things. So from a public health perspective, sometimes we have tests that are good at one thing and not good at the other. And you have to evaluate what kind of tests am I going to uh, make public? And, and you, you know, sometimes depending on the severity of the disease, uh, you want to make sure you don't have false positives or false negatives. And this is where you could have a test that uh, might be good at telling you you don't have the disease. And that's basically what we, what we want now, that if you don't have it, that you feel comfortable that you could go outside and you're not going to transmit the virus. From a sensitivity uh, point of view, that if you have the disease, then you are going to take all the necessary precautions that you can actually go and see the doctor mm-hmm. and he will the last thing you want is having somebody who think that uh, they don't have the disease, then they go to the emergency room or they go to the doctor, and then they uh, where there are other people who are sick, not from the coronavirus. But because the first test told them you don't have the disease, and then you go, and then you're infecting other people. So it's not easy to come up with a test that you know is 100% accurate. Uh, And to do it overnight and to do it for millions of people. Right. And who is going to administer this test? Uh, uh, it, It means that you might have it in different specific places, maybe the county health department, maybe certain hospitals, maybe certain health providers. Uh, and if people have to go there uh, to be tested, then you're going to have people who uh, might or might not be might have the disease, might or might not be sick, uh, and maybe somebody just have the flu, and now yeah. all of a sudden they're being exposed to a second virus, uh, and then you make things uh, worse. What did you make of the... Um the images and news and reports coming out of uh, places like Costco and Fred Meyer in recent mm-hmm. days of runs on you know basic mm-hmm. household goods, um, yeah. toilet paper and the like. And mm-hmm. um, does that mm-hmm. what, what do you yeah. think is happening there? I don't know if there's not much going on in the news, but there's a lot of stuff happening. You know, we have <laughs> Super Tuesday today. Yeah, we exactly. got all kind of stuff. But it's again, there's there's a newness to this thing, which is it's a virus that we don't know. We do know people are dying from it, so it's you cannot completely ignore it. Uh, so you do have to keep it up front so people know what to do, what not to do. What they should not do is go and take all these uh, uh, products that could be uh, valuable for people who are at high risk. And I, and I think I'm not trying to uh, place judgment on somebody buying some of these uh, products because maybe they do have somebody at their home Maybe they do have a long-term care facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they uh, they are sick and they might be they want to protect uh, uh, their cough from uh, exposing other people. Uh, but if you are not sure what a, a mask is going to do, and they're different type of mask, and not all <laughs> do what they what we think they're supposed to do in terms of protecting against coronavirus, it's a specific mask, not any any mask. So uh, just try to, if you need one, try to educate yourself so you get the one that you need, and they're only good for a certain amount of time. So I think we should prioritize these products for people who are at high risk, older people, people with immune system compromise, 
and for healthcare providers. Those yeah. are the two people who are at the front line of this outbreak. If you're not one of those, then don't try to take more uh, uh, the limited supply of products that are available if you don't need them. Let's take a break and come back and talk more with Carlos Crespo from OHSU PSU's School of Public Health. How should we respond to something like this where we have so many unknowns? I think we know enough to know not to panic that the people, they have been people who have been exposed, have tested positive and uh, stay isolated and survived and are, are doing okay. So that's, that's good news. Uh, we do know that who is at risk and what happened to them. Uh, we know that uh, clinicians are working to make sure that if somebody tests positive and the immune system compromised, what they, they can do. Some people have actually survived that mm-hmm. situation. Uh, so there are certain things that, that we know. I, I, I'm, I'm less panic, uh, panicked about it because it doesn't seem to be uh, a, a very severe disease, especially for people who do not have any other uh, uh, immunocompromising condition. So from that perspective, I, I think it's, it, it's it, this not going to be the last one. This is the other part. Yeah. I mean, there are going to be more viruses that we had not been exposed. We've had them in throughout human history, uh, and, we, and we survived them. Uh, we, uh, we will have a vaccine. This is an interesting uh, uh, next step. Uh, I don't think a vaccine is going to be ready soon. And soon meaning Depends one on if or you two. ask the president, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that frustrating? Very, very. Like, I, I, I think we, we, uh, we cannot undermine uh, the power that a president of the United States has in terms of any comment that he makes, not just uh, uh, in the business side of things, but also in the public health uh, side of things. Uh, it's best to let <laughs> the expert say, uh, and, 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 and we have people, uh, I, I'll say a name, Anthony Fauci, who's been at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease in charge of many viruses, many, uh, many uh, other outbreaks, and, uh, and, and he knows what, what he's doing. And to Both be able Republicans to, and Democrats, right? Have, he, oh, have yeah. Turned to he's him. he's yeah. never been uh, somebody who's been blamed from one party or another. He's, uh, he's been extremely uh, uh, knowledgeable and, and trustworthy. So uh, uh, to be able to have these people uh, communicate and tell what we know and what we don't know, it, it's actually better than to say things if you're not sure what you're saying. So we've had, you know, we've had H1N1, we've had SARS, we've had MERS, we've mm-hmm. had... Um, I, that's just off the Ebola. top of my head. Ebola, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but none of those really happened uh, during our social media era. None of those mm-hmm. um, really happened during the Trump administration, yeah. um, which, you know, love him or hate him, uh, mm-hmm. people are on pins and needles all the time over all kinds of different things. Yeah. Do you think all those factors have kind of played into, um, I don't want to say it's a panic, but there's been a lot of attention mm-hmm. both from our newsroom and from newsrooms around the country and just the general public. Yeah. From your seat, does that all those factors kind of combine mm-hmm. to inflame our reactions? I, I must say that uh, science is under attack. 
uh, and it's not just this virus. It's it's also uh, climate change. It's also uh, prevention. I mean, if you look at the funding for prevention at CDC, have gone down. So when uh, and we scientists are very cautious when we say something. We don't just blurb something unless we've had multiple studies, multiple studies of different quality, when the, the, the association that we have found are consistent, and we found this association in different parts of the world, different population, then we say something, you know. And when scientists are uh, there to put a statement out there, they have data to back it up. Uh, and when we have, in this era of social media, when uh, there are so many conspiracy theories, in, and, and they, they've been around, but when you have a senator or where you have a president, when you have a, a public figure uh, spread conspiracy theories without data, without any uh, uh, scientific uh, evidence, then it confuses people. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we have had a, uh, I wouldn't say a decline in <laughs> In, in education, but we haven't funded education that well either. So we have a population that has had a, a uh, mixed results with their education efforts, and they just believe whatever anybody they trust say. How would you rate the state's response to this so far? Hmm. They're my friends, so I have to be careful what I say. Uh, I, I think they've they're, they're done a, a very good job, especially with the, uh, with, with the resources they have. We also have a state and we have county uh, health level responses. Uh, I think uh, the fact that we, today, we're moving freely. Today, we haven't seen any major uh, changes. Uh, we have... Uh, take some precautions, especially uh, at, at some schools level. Uh, we have identified cases as soon as we could. Uh, and I, I think we're doing as best as we could. We could. There are other states, I mean, especially on the western side of the U.S., Washington have had a, a state of emergency, if, I, if I'm correct. Uh, so we, we are uh, at, in high alert. Uh, we're uh, monitoring the situation. I say we. I, I work for Portland State and uh, OHSU, so uh, I'm, I'm part of the, the state, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, public health workforce. Uh, but uh, I, I think we, we, we should feel, uh, I wouldn't say relaxed, but we should feel that we're in good hands with the information that we're getting from the, the public health authorities. Is there a, a tipping point at which you would become more concerned about this epidemic, mm-hmm. um, it, either mm-hmm. here in the state or across the country? Are there certain markers you're looking for mm. that if we cross that, um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you become a little bit more? Hmm. That's concerned. a very good question. I, uh, I you know, it, I, actually, I had some uh, travel that I looked at it and I said, this is probably not essential travel, so I don't need to go places if I don't need to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's not that I've reached that tipping point. Uh, I'm trying to minimize my risk if it's not necessary. Uh, I, I think one of the, the areas where you start becoming really uh, concerned is when you see mortality rate going up. Uh, and uh, we, we do... We, we saw mortality rate, I think about six cases, six uh, in, in Washington state. Uh, 
they were somewhat clustered. You could see that these uh, individuals were probably at high risk. Uh, we we haven't had any uh, a major uh, spread in terms of mortality cases in Oregon, so I'm yeah. I'm not that concerned. But that's where I would first become really uh, concerned when you start seeing mortality cases going up. Anything else we should keep in mind as we're you know, trying not to sow panic and uh, <laughs> <laughs> inform people at the same time? So we, we shouldn't forget about other parts that uh, from public health that uh, we, we cannot ignore. One of them is uh, getting your flu shot, you know. Uh, are, are these two things related? Not directly, but if, if you, for example, uh, get the flu, and then on top of that, you get the COVID-19 exposure, mm-hmm. then you are actually increasing the odds of having a, uh, a bad case of, of both of them. Uh, so if you don't have your flu shot, just go ahead and, and, and get vaccinated because that takes care of one thing, influenza and, and, and the flu. But it also, if you eventually become exposed to uh, the coronavirus, uh, at least you're not going to complicate things uh, to yourself. And and like most things, it's not just you. It's just th- what we know about this virus. It's, it spreads easily. So uh, the last thing you want to do is uh, be infected and then becoming a, a vector. Well, thanks so much for sharing your expertise and taking time to talk to us. Appreciate oh, it. This is, this is fun. I'm glad to uh, uh, be able to share. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Beat Check. Catch up on all the past episodes by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like what we're doing, leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. Until next time.